Thank you, Lyndon. This is, um, yeah, an absolute privilege and an honour to be here today. And it's kind of nice that we're just at the hub and we've just um, got a small group of close friends and family. So it feels less like a daunting church service and more just like a family gathering day. So that's, um, I'm pretty chuffed, eh? Right, so uh, welcome to Cornerstone. If you're joining us uh, live for the first time, g'day. This is a little bit different to what we normally have. If you're at a Connect Church, hello. Um, hope you're giving your hosts a good time. And um, so my name is Donnie. Uh, that's my gorgeous wife and my Steph and then my little seven-month-old Arthur, who's hopefully asleep at the back there. Uh, we, along with a team of awesome volunteers, lead the youth group, and that's kind of how we fit in here. So this morning, I'm sharing a message that I feel God's put on my heart. It actually popped in to my little wee brain, oh, probably three quarters of the way through my church internship, and I remember sharing it with Lyndon, and he was like, there's a sermon in that, and I was like, oh, cool, cool, he's like, yeah, I might use it, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, you know, it's in the Bible, it's yours, anyone can use it, and, but on the inside, I was like, oh, man, I really want that, and then Lyndon was like, nah, it's yours, bro, you, you hang on to it, so I'm finally here, so I've been working on this for almost a year, subconsciously, I suppose, um, and then I finished it last night at about 11.30, so we're off. Um, I'll be the first to admit, right, that I'm not perfect. Uh, my wife can probably attest to that. So if I do make a mistake, bear with me, right? I'm only human. Um, if you think I've messed something up or I've got something wrong, please have a chat with me. I'm keen to go out for a coffee and have a yarn and learn. Um, you know, I'm only a young whippersnapper. Hey, Warren. Um, so I'm the first to admit I might get something wrong. So please approach me, have a chat, have a coffee. Do it with love and respect because I am human. Um, also, fun fact, I struggle with dyslexia, um, so if you notice any spelling mistakes, you can get a virtual chocolate fish, um, come to me at the end of the sermon and I'll uh, figure out what that means. So yeah, if you see any spelling mistakes, you can get a virtual chocolate fish. I'm going to open in prayer, uh, but it's mainly for me more than you guys, so just bow your heads. God, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you that we can get together and meet in relative peace and safety, Lord. Um, God, help me to, to speak the words that you've put on my heart. Lord, I pray that um, you can speak through me and that you can be glorified. Lord, I pray for open hearts and open ears, God, and I just pray that whatever I say, whatever you say through me, Lord, can find a place in somebody's heart and we can all grow and learn together. In Jesus' name, amen. Right. Woo! We're off to a good start. Right, if you are the person who likes to follow along in the Bible, we're going to be looking at Genesis. So flick over to the star of the Bible, um, early Genesis, in fact. And the title of my message is, Where Are You? Is it a question? Is it a statement? Is it an unfinished sentence? We're going to find out. Buckle up. So follow along in the start of Genesis. And right at the beginning of Genesis, we're going to see how God has created us to be in relation with him from the very, very beginning. So before we dive into Genesis, I'm going to give you a little bit of context. I found out recently, actually thank you to Dre's uh, quick questions, that Genesis is not the first book written in the Bible. It is the first book in the Bible, but wasn't the first book written. Um, it's important to know that it was written by Moses. You know the premeditated murderer who led the Israelites out of Egypt through the Red Sea, crossed some waters, a tablet, burning bush. Yeah, that guy. So it's important to know that he wrote it 
And um, it's really important to understand the culture that Moses wrote Genesis into, or the setting and how he came about it. So, leading up to the verses we're actually going to speak on, the world started with, the God created the world, right? And maybe it started with a big bang, maybe it didn't, I wasn't there, and neither were the scientists. But what we do know was that it was good. In fact, we know it was good, 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 and God goes on to say, very good. So that's leading up to where we're going to speak in Genesis. So God's created the world and everything in it, and it's good. Now, turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, verses 25. There we go. So, Adam and Eve were both naked, and they felt no shame. So things were good. And how do we know this? Because God just said so. In fact, God said things were good, 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 very good. So we know things were pretty good. Have you ever seen a young child? I mean, we're blessed with young Arthur, right? And they're happy as to run around with no naked. They feel no shame. Like, um, he's just figured out the crocodile death roll. So in the middle of trying to change him or get him dressed, he's just head of a biscuit and off and gone. And he can't, can't even walk yet. So what I'm trying to get across is that Adam and Eve were naked and they felt no shame. Those last two words are super important. They felt no shame. So this is real important to, to see kind of what was happening at the time when this was written, that Adam and Eve had no shame. Cool. We're there? All right. Let's go. And then, dum, 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 sin enters the world. <laughs> Boo. And as young Donnie, man, I was so cross with Adam and Eve. They had one job. Don't eat the forbidden fruit. It's in the name. The forbidden fruit. Don't eat it. And they ate it. I was so angry with them as a, as a young man. I can remember just being cross. But all we need to know is that it happened. So we'd be here all day if I went through the whole full narrative and I gave it its proper due diligence. But we, all we need to know is that it happened. I'm not going to get into whose fault it was, who blamed who, and all the nitty-gritty details there. Please go back and have a read of that in your own time. I'd highly recommend it. So, over here, we've got innocence and pride. Sin comes in, and now we've got shame and guilt. So the world is good, innocence and pride. Sin comes along, and now we're on this side with shame and guilt. All right, our next stop is Genesis chapter 3, verses 25. There it is. So it says... Then their eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So their eyes were opened. Their innocence was lost. How do you get your innocence back? No, actually, this dawned on me the other day. How, how do you actually get your innocence back? How do you return to your former self, being that little child naked and innocent and running free? I don't, I don't actually know, so if anyone's got any ideas, you come let me know. But reading this, what's the first thing they did? The first thing is they tried to fix themselves. They tried to fix the situation. It just seems like, to me, reading this, the first thing they did was just grabbed some frig leaves, the closest thing they could do, and just sewed them together to make a covering. Really, a, a fig leaf? 
Surely you could go for something with a little bit more structural rigidity. Maybe a banana leaf or something. I don't know. Yeah, you could, surely you could aim a little bit higher than a fig leaf. So Adam and Eve, God's creation, are, have covered themselves in a fig leaf. His good, 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 very good creation have covered themselves in this fig leaf. Why? In an attempt to rectify, an attempt to cover themselves. They know that they've sinned, they've fallen short, but they're trying to cover themselves and attempting to rectify their situation. You know, I don't know about you, but have you ever been in that situation? You know, when you make a mistake, not a life-threatening or a life-changing mistake, but a mistake nevertheless, and you feel that sinking feeling in your stomach and you're sick to your core and you're like, oh, I've messed up. What have I done? I, um... I've got to share like, a quick work story. So um, if my boss listens to this, turn off ears. Um, the other day, man, I thought I was the coolest Sparky in town. So there I was, hooning around in my, my work van, pulled up next to this big flash uh, office complex. There's all these fancy people in there, and I stroll on in, and the building manager meets me. He's like, all right, there's this light over here is broken. I go over and I look at this fancy light, and I said to the building manager, hey, man, you know, I don't think I've got the parts to fix this, but I'll open it up, I'll figure it out, and I'll let you know. And they were like, yep, sweet ass. So I roll over through the fancy place, all these fancy people doing their fancy things, open up the light, and I was like, ha, I don't have the parts to fix this, perfect. So I took the bits that I needed, put it back together, I even wrote a little sticker on it that said, under maintenance. So if in case the fancy people doing the fancy things had any questions, they'd know. Under maintenance, radio. I strolled out of there feeling like hot stuff, eh? Hopped in my van, and it was a about quarter past four so you know i'm like i'm aiming for home steph's got dinner on the table i'm i'm like almost checked out anyways grab the bits i need head back to the fancy place with the fancy people doing the fancy things and i've got the two bits i need and my tools in my other hand i've run out of arms i've got my two bits my two bits and my tool as I walked through, opened the door, and I just dropped one of the bits on the ground, and it exploded. I was like, yes! <laughs> Fortunately, it was still inside its cardboard box, so it didn't explode everywhere, but it exploded enough that when I reached down to grab it, it just felt crunch. And I was like, oh, this is, this is toast. And I just went from, like, absolute hero to zero. Anyways, at this stage, it was about 4.30, and I'm like, nah. Oh, and the sinking feeling, like what should have been a half an hour, 45 minute job has now just gone way past that. So I'm like, oh, how do I, like instantly, instantly, right? How do I get a fig leaf on? Do I rush off and try and get to the supplier before they shut? Do I try and jimmy something up? You know, what, what can I do? Where's my fig leaves? But fortunately, I've been in the situation before and I've learned the hard way. It's better just to pick up the phone I rang my boss and I was like, hey, this is the situation. And he just laughed. He was like, ah, it happens to the best of us. Don't stress. We'll come back another day. Don't even worry about it. So I was like, ah, sweet. It wasn't so bad. Hopped in my van and I went off home. And I told Steph and had a good laugh about it. So I've learned over time that it's better to own up to your mistakes, to, to recognize the situation before you try and put on your fig leaves. So that all happened. All right, so you're with me so far. We've got a lot of ground to cover. So creation and everything in it was good, 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 very good, right? Um, go back and read the creation story. It's, it's awesome. It's well worth a squiz. And then, so God on, goes on to say that it was very good. 
Then sin rocks up. The forbidden fruit turns up. There's the whole innocence and pride. And then we've got the shame and guilt on the other side. So that all happens. And then now we've got Adam and Eve wrapped in an inadequate covering. You with me? We've got three parts. Good. Innocence have turned up. And now we're in a fig leaf stage. Everyone with me? Right. Buckle up. We're off to Genesis chapter 3 verses 8 and 9. It's the next verse in case you're wondering. Radio. So if you've got your Bible out in front of you, uh, flick your eyes down one sentence. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. The first thing that I thought or noticed was they knew they'd been naughty because they hid. And how do we know that? Because they hid. They knew they'd be naughty straight away. And I like, it blows my mind. How did they know? Like, had God, I don't know, like, how did they know? They just knew they'd been naughty, right? They knew they'd messed up. And then they had covered themselves. We just covered this before with the fig leaves, right? So they weren't naked because they had covered, covered themselves in fig leaves. Or did they know that the leaves that covered themselves in were inadequate? Did they know that those leaves weren't going to cut it in the long run? Did they know that those leaves weren't going to survive the winter? I don't know. But, so, but they hid from God, right, in the garden. Just ponder on that, the fig leaves. So clearly, they hadn't heard Stefan's message a wee while ago about the omnis of God. Does anyone want to be brave enough to say them so I don't have to and get all tongue-tied? There's three omnis. Yes, yep, yep, everyone at home, you can say them as much as you want because no one can hear you and it's not awkward or weird. Oh, I'll say them. So we believe that God is omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Did I say that right? No heresy? Thank you. Cool. The one we're going to look at is uh, omnipresent because it's easier to say. No, because it, it pertains to the story. So the Oxford Dictionary describes omnipresence as the state of being widespread or consistently encountered. Or simply put, we believe that God's presence is everywhere all of the time. I like that one. I can understand that in my brain. God is everywhere all of the time. Let that sink in for a second. I, I truly believe that that's an important thing. That when that moves from your head into your heart, and you know that God's presence is everywhere all of the time, it makes so many things seem irrelevant. Like God is everywhere all of the time. So how silly of Adam and Eve? Well, I mean, they weren't there for Stefan's message, so they couldn't have known, right? But they're trying to hide from a God that's everywhere all of the time. Just let that sink in. I truly believe that's got the power to change not only your life, when that sinks from your head into your heart, but the lives of those around you, the people that you interact with, your family, your friends, your workmates. Right, time for my favorite bit. We're going to go hop, skip, and a jump all the way to Genesis 3, verses 9. But the Lord God called to man, Where are you? That's important. That's why I just went slow on it. Where are you? The all-present God, right, is everywhere. He knows where they are. He knows he was with them when they sinned. He was with them when they put on their fig leaves, and he was with them when they hid in the garden. But still he calls. 
God doesn't come and condemn them and turn up as he probably should have and been like, hey, you done messed up. But God calls, where are you? Just the grace in that and God calling out, where are you? He knows he's been there. He's he's been with you the whole way through. But still he came calling to Adam and Eve, where are you? So those two verses are particularly powerful when you begin to understand the context that Moses wrote Genesis into. Right, so this idea is wildly countercultural. The the accepted norm of the time, if you will, in ancient Sumerian culture was that if you sinned, well, reverse, hang on a second. Ancient Sumerian culture was was that um, humans or humanity was made by the gods to work as slaves to appease the gods. So the way they understood the world is that you grow your crops, you grow your sheep or whatever, and you sacrifice them to gods, and then hopefully the gods would favor you and they'd give you rain and you would have food for your family and then you'd live another year. So that was the context that Genesis was written into. But when you look at these two verses, right, so they'd know that they'd messed up. And the idea that a God would come calling out to his creation, where are you, was wild to them. So in their, in their day, if you had sinned or messed up, the way you could appease the gods was grab the local virgin and just burn them alive as a sacrifice to God and hopefully that would appease the wrath of the gods and you'd get rain and you'd get crops and you might be able to survive for another year. So the idea that a God, an all-present all God, came calling his creation, didn't condemn them, and came calling them to them to say, hey, where are you? So God reaches out and calls to them in their brokenness. He meets, meets them where they are, hiding, covered in fig leaves behind the trees. Where are you? Seriously, where, where are you? We've got a few people here at church, we've got a few people joining us online. G'day. But where are you in your life? See, God, I believe God doesn't leave us where he finds us. We're going to go on the story a wee bit more. God doesn't leave Adam and Eve cowering with their fig leaves, hiding. He doesn't leave them there. I believe God finds us where we are and takes us on a journey to a better place. All right, I'm going to flick all the way forward to Genesis chapter 3, verses 21. Now, before I read this, I highly recommend for some homework when you go home, is to read the story of what happened between where we just stopped and where we picked up off again. Just go through that in your own time. It's well worth a read. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So garments of skin. It's a wee bit of a step up from fig leaves. If we remember before, they're about fig leaves are about this big. So also, something that struck me was that what was the first death in the Bible? See, I always thought it was the whole Cain and Abel story, or maybe it was the first death was the sin, you know, dying to yourself or something along those lines. But actually, to, to have a skin, an animal skin, you needed to kill an animal. Hopefully you killed it first before you took the skin off. That would just be rude. Sorry, vegans. So God seeks out his creation. He calls out his creation. And he finds his good creation, his good, 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 very good creation, covered in fig leaves. And he makes a plan. See, before I made a joke about fig leaves 
not surviving the winter, and they probably wouldn't. But something like that might survive the winter. So God finds his creation covered in fig leaves, their inadequate attempt to fix their situation. Again, sorry, uh, vegans. And God kills an animal to provide a cover for his good creation. So just ponder on that. The blood of an innocent animal, the blood of an innocent covers the sin of the guilty. I, I don't know about you, but that's like that really got me quite excited when that jumped out and bit me. Is God allowed to do that? Did God just show his hand? Did God just play his cards right there? Come on, that's something to get excited about. The blood of an innocent or the sacrifice of an innocent covers the sin of a guilty. I mean, we're on chapter 3. Chapter 3 of 1,189 chapters in the Bible. I promise I did not count them. That was a Google search. Um, recommend reading them all if you've got the time. So we're on chapter 3 and we've seen God play his hand. Then innocence covers the sin of a guilty. And then I pondered for a while, how do I sum this up? How do we, how do we move from here on with, with life? Like, where do, you, where do you take this? How do you, how do you move on forward with this? How do you apply this to your life? And I realized that I was inadequate and I couldn't do it. So I'm going to let Paul say something. So if you flick with me through to Romans 8.21, um, again, highly recommend reading all the bits between um, Genesis chapter 3 and Romans chapter 8. If you could have that done by next week, that would be good. Um, I won't be able to do that, but I'm sure there's some people out there who could. So therefore, Paul says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. How about those words, for there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You know, we've, we've all sinned, we've all been in that situation where you have that sinking feeling in your stomach and your chest, you know, and you've made a mistake. We've all put on those fig leaves or think, how do I fix this before I find somebody finds out? How do I fix this before I get in trouble? How do I fix this before somebody figures out, you know, what's inside of me? We've all put on those fig leaves. And God's provided us with an adequate sacrifice. I mean, I was joking about the fig leaves notwithstanding the winter and then the animal skins, you know, that looked like that would, that would last the winter. But it's still not appropriate. Like that's not the right sort of clothing you need in the summer or in the desert or in the rain in New Zealand. See, I believe that God sent Jesus to be the sacrifice for us. He's that ultimate sacrifice, the blood of an innocent covering the sin of the guilty. You know, we've, we spo- we've sped forward through a whole bunch of the Old Chest, all of the Old Testament and then into the New Testament. And we've seen God's hand being played right on the beginning of chapter 3. Sacrificing the innocent for the sin of the guilty. And now Paul goes on to explain or say how, you know, there's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. Because through Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. 
So without accepting Jesus, we're, we're powerless. We have an inadequate covering. We have an inadequate um, mode. We, we don't have what we need. We can't have that relationship with God that he calls us into. And I believe that God's calling each and every one of us all of the time. Where are you? Where are you? What fig leaves do you have on? You know, and Jesus is on, on offer to each and every single one of us, whether you're a, a Christian, a committed Christian, you've, you've been work, walking with Christ your whole life, whether you're a new Christian, whether you've just happened to click on this link and, and, and watching this live. But I believe that Jesus is on offer for all of us, all of the time. And all we have to do is accept Take off our fig leaves. Adam and Eve would have had to take off their fig leaves, expose themselves, and put on those garments of skin. And I believe that's what we are asked to do every day, all of the time. Jesus is on offer to all of us. Just got to take off those fig leaves and put on Jesus and accept that sacrifice. If I could invite the, the worship team back up and we'll, um, we'll look at starting to close. And just as we, we go into this next um, bit of worship, I really, really felt whilst we were singing before the sermon, is just to take a moment and surrender yourself to the worship. Um, I urge you to, to have a think um, and, and, and think into your life about where you might have fig leaves in your life and where can you lay those down and accept the sacrifice that God has on offer for us. Just, um, I realized... This whole uh, probably past two weeks, whilst I've actually sat down and, and written this down, that this is the part of the sermon that I'm most unfamiliar or nervous with, and I don't really know how to do an altar call, let alone through um, through Facebook and live videos and podcasts and stuff. But man, just reach out. We want to partner with you, and um, I really encourage you. If, if you don't have a Bible, you can download one on your phone. Um, reach out to us, you know, we're, we're friendly enough most of the time. Again, we're only human. But um, we'd love to partner with you in any way that we can. Um, and we'd love to pray with you and really want to invite you on that journey. You don't need to live under the law of sin and death. There, there is a better way. There's a better way to live your life. And just maybe whilst we jump into this next section of worship, think about your life. And I, I really encourage you just to surrender it up and and accept the, the sacrifice that Jesus has. Please stand and, and we'll, um, we'll close in some worship. Thank you.